Thank you for listening to the Vantage Point Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. This is our worship director, as you guys know him and love him, and he's got an incredible word for us this morning. Well, you broke the ice, so I don't have to worry about that now. Woo! That's all the word. Good. Now, if I, if I stumble over that same thing, I can say, well, you started it. So, yeah, it's your fault. Um, so, yes, I'm Andrew, for those of you who don't know. Uh, my wife and I are the... There we go. I'll talk. I'm, okay, I'm just going to say, I'm, as a worship director, I don't have the band behind me or not. This is a little different. Um, but uh, I'm, I am excited to share a message today. Um, it was interesting, though. So when Elisa and I were in conversations with Pastor Kyle and, and Pastor Eli about uh, taking on the position of, of coming to Vantage Point and, and uh, being the worship directors, uh, I, I had one condition that I gave him. Um, I, I'm not, I, you, you won't call me pastor. And I'm not, you know, I'm, that's not my thing. And doggone it, it somehow, he, he, he pulled a fast one on me. Here I am, giving a message. Like, man, wait a minute, one, so he, I'm, we're live streaming now, so, so PK, as we call him, you know, he got me. You know, I, I said yes, but I am excited. Um, let me prefix uh, the message and, and really, <laughs> I'm praying, that the word of God, that God speaks through me, in spite of me, um, because I am not someone standing in front of you that knows answers. I am not someone standing in front of you that has unwavering faith. I'm not even someone standing in front of you that has the fancy college degree in theology. But maybe my, my prayer to God is, that he can use me in my imperfections and in my wounds and in my pains and in my flaws to maybe connect and maybe provide encouragement. Um, so as a worship director, um, we're, we're, we're doing a series out of Psalms. And as many of you can think, that's like, that's like paradise for a music director. It's like, sweet, I can just preach on worship good feeling worship, you know, it's just a fun time. And then my personality kicked in. A personality that I think God blessed me and cursed me with all at once. Because uh, I have this little thing uh, that I live by, which is called go big or go home. Sometimes it's really annoying, to be honest. Because I can't just go, oh, there's the easy path. Um, as a child... Uh, my mother, bless her soul, she kept me alive, uh, had to deal with the fact that I am the kind of person that if I was told to do one thing, <laughs> because you told me to do it that way, I'm doing the opposite. That's just who I am as a person. I just Even today I struggle with this. If somebody says, do this, then, then, I, then I go the opposite direction. And okay, I don't, I don't even have to describe it, but you can imagine with the era of what we're in right now, and uh, guidelines, I'm not good. Just not good. You know, it's like, oh, okay, so you want me to do this. <gasps> no. I just, it's, it's, it is a, from a worldly perspective, something that's gotten me in a lot of trouble. But maybe, as we walk through today, God knew I needed that personality. Because it's not just about the world that you and I see. It's about the fact that there is a spiritual war going on. 
But sometimes it's the ugly that we don't like to talk about. That there is an evil that doesn't want to destroy us. Frankly, it can flatter us. But ultimately, it wants to destroy our soul. wants to destroy our eternal gift that God has given. So, today, I want to talk about Psalms 13. Psalms 13 isn't long. Psalms 13, frankly, isn't even very flattering. But, in a way, I think I will tie it to worship, but in maybe a different angle than what some would have thought. Um, To give you context in a theme of Psalms 13, it's talking about it being David, the, the uh, the, the man after God's own heart, it's his, he's praying for relief from despair. He's praying for rescue. And, again, I'm going back into my, I, I, for whatever reason, I have to feel like I have to go bigger or go home. Um, when you look at despair, you can't ignore the topic of wounds. You have to face it head on, because that's what drives us into despair. So I'm going to read this to give us context of today uh, talking about wounds and despair. And I hope, if anything, in the realm of this spiritual war, that if all you walk away with today, I hope, I pray that God, God speak through me and expose the devil in a few areas in all of our lives. So Psalms 13 says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Not a very good start. Man after God's own heart had a lot of questions. It goes on to say, look on me and answer. Demanding. O Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Having a little drama queen moment. My uh, my enemies will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. And then the last part. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Now, let me just pose something here. There's six verses in Psalms 13. It's not a long one. And in that verse, he goes from questioning God, demanding answers from God, and then in the last two verses... God, I trust you. I grew up in the church. And surprise, surprise, I've had some church wounds I've acquired along the way, as maybe all of us have. But I find it interesting that it's so easy in that Psalms to just 
kind of go, okay, well, here's, here's you want a summary of, of the verse? David questioned God. He shouldn't have questioned God. He came back and realized he was wrong. There, boop, end of story. God is good. Don't question it. Because we look at it as six verses, and they're so, you know, so put together that we think, well, it's just, you know, we, we shouldn't dwell in, in questions and, and pain. I want to pose something, though. Maybe, maybe David, maybe he didn't write that whole song. As a songwriter, I, I have many unwritten songs that I started and haven't finished. Maybe this psalm of David, the director of music, maybe he wrote those first two verses and left it there for years, cursing God for not answering him. Maybe this wasn't just a sit down and write all at once. I want to put that into context because as we look at wounds and pain, the only hope that I have, and I, again, I'm, I'm not someone who has answers, so I can only speak to where my hope lies, is that our God is big enough to handle whatever we can throw at him, all raw and in emotion, all in it. He doesn't want us as perceptionally always unquestioning him. He didn't design us that way. That's a lie. We want to talk about exposing the devil. Why don't we start there? We don't have to. Faith isn't an unwavering walk. Faith is a journey of falling, failing, and, 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 and realization and growing, and it's painful. If you got sold that salvation means that you don't feel pain, I'm just going to squash that right now. Not because, because I know the answer. Again, it's because I've experienced it in my walk. And if it's not the truth, then I am already in hell. So today I want to talk about wounds, but in a different context of the cliche analogy that I'm sure all of you have heard. Okay, you know, wounds that we acquire in life, they're like wounds of the body. You know, and then they, they heal if you give them time and nurture them. And then you have a scar to remember. That's all great. But it's limited. I don't want us to put it in a box. So I want to give context of, of, of thinking through wounds outside of any analogy and then move into what I hope God pulls out of this and exposes the devil in. So wounds are the events in our life that, that, that damage us, that, that break us, uh, that change us. Now, we can acquire wounds and pain through a lot of different ways. Uh, other people, uh, close and far. Uh, parents, oh man, I got kids. <laughs> I've had to come to the realization that my kids are going to have wounds from me. Doggone it. But that's the reality. No parent is perfect. We all have wounds coming from our parents, our siblings, our family, our friends, strangers. If you sit here and tell me that you haven't acquired wounds from complete strangers that shouldn't have had the power of you, you, props, props. For crying out loud, we live in a social media realm where the stranger that you don't even know because they're looking at your string and commenting affect you. Strangers have a lot of power in today's world, don't they? Another 
way we acquire wounds in, in events that change us, shape us, hurt us, is circumstances. Some out of our control. Some in our control. And that's the painful one. Our choices. I'm sorry. Maybe I can, I, I, and maybe I'm the only one, but I, most of my wounds are from myself. I would love to say they were other people. Even wounds that I thought were from other people, I realized, no. I gave them power to give me that wound. That's my choice. So understanding that, that wounds are there, that wounds, no one goes through life without wounds. It's, it's like a rose bush. Unless you just never live and stay outside of it, it's like you're surrounded by these rosebuds. You got to walk, if you want to live, you got to walk through it. You're going to get wounds. One lie I'll expose is a first lie of the devil. If you're sitting here and you feel, one, I don't have any wounds. Two, I have wounds, but they're not as deep as some of these messed up people. (laughs) Can I pose something to you? The devil owns your wounds. He can do whatever he wants with them because you are ignoring them. So the biggest thing that gives the devil victory in your life, in my life, is saying that the wounds aren't there. The devil loves to operate in the unknown, in the dark. we got to recognize that all of us have it. But we're not alone in it. So in that context of wounds, I want to give a compare and contrast. Evil and good perspective. And, and, and again, this is my humble perspective of what I've seen in my life that I can only pray and hope that it touches and speaks to you. So there's five points that I want to go through. And the first one I want to look at is how does the devil, in this topic of wounds and despair, really the devil's playground, there's two questions I want to pose. How does the devil view and use our wounds? And then in contrast, how does God view and desire to use our wounds? I feel like we've done a really good job as the body of Christ talking about how God views our wounds. That's great. We need to talk about that. That's redemption. That's salvation. You bet. But what if we give someone salvation and don't really make them realize, but oh, by the way, (laughs) the devil is out there. And he wants to use them just the same to drag you down. So you ever, have, have you ever felt, okay, wait, I, I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. But why do I feel like I'm still stuck? Well, maybe it's because you've got to recognize the devil's games. You've got to recognize it. Here, here's the truth, and I'm just going to declare it. I've been, it. It's been on my heart, and frankly... I've been attacked because of it because I feel like the devil doesn't want this to be said. He's here. He's a scammer. He's a, uh, he's a con. He's here. And he doesn't want you to know how he's manipulating each and every one of us. All right, so first point I would make in how the devil uses our wounds is anchor spots. Man, we sit in the anchor spots. Because the devil knows that our wounds go deep to our soul. They're, if you dock a, a ship, massive ship, uh, at the, at, within a harbor, they have these huge anchors that, that are just all the way down. They're concrete, iron, 
not moving. The devil knows that if he wants to control you, he's going to go after the thing that is connected all the way down. He's not going after surface-level stuff. He doesn't care about surface-level things. He's going straight at the things that are going to tug you down. So he wants to use it as anchor spots. The second point of how the devil views and uses our wounds, our pain, our journey, is to keep us idle. It's a tool to keep us idle. Again, like I already said, there's a spiritual war going on. The devil wants to keep you out of the game. Again, his victory doesn't come because he made you poor. It doesn't come when you're homeless. His victory can come when you have everything the world can offer. Flattery is his biggest gift of deception. He wants you to be idle. He wants you to say, God can't use me because I'm not, I'm not right with God. You know, I got this, I got this addiction. So, you know, once I figure that out, then God, you can use me. He lies to you saying that God depends on you doing something before he can use you. God uses demons, yes, I said it, demons to do his good. What a lie the devil puts on to say that you can't be used by God until you do all these things, A, B, C. Man, he's good. Because God can literally, now, last time I checked, I'm not a demon. People call me demon, you know. And I'm sure you can relate to that. I mean, there's people out there that have been called things like the son of the devil. That's pretty loud. Oh, geez. Okay. And listen, if you want a definition of complicated and wounded, all by my own poor choices, here I am. I, you know what? If you don't believe me, let's go have coffee. I'd love to. Okay? I need each of you to hear this message in the context of where it's coming from. I'm not preaching down to you. I'm preaching with you. I'm talking to you. We're having a conversation because this is me. I have so long allowed the devil to use anchors and to keep me idle. Being up here scares the crap out of me because I've avoided it for so long. The only thing I can depend on is the fact that, you know what, God doesn't view me in the context of my wounds. He views me in the strength that he can use. Second thing the devil loves to do. He loves to use our wounds to put us in a mirror room so that we feel alone. We could be surrounded by a community, but he wants us to view them outside of our mirror room that's surrounding us so we think we're alone. We could have an entire support group out there but feel alone. Because the devil wants to put our wounds and our pains so big in front of us that it is a reflection of fear that we gain. Lie. The fourth thing is the devil wants to use our wounds and pains as entry points of despair. Our insecurities. I'm not a good enough father. I, I, I failed. I, I can't overcome an addiction. Stuck and depressed 
and anxiety and fear and inability to cope. That's what the devil wants. We live in a world unable to cope. But it's okay. The world, the world has given solutions. Let's just medicate. Let's move on. Let's, let's do quick fixes. In a fear to be isolated, the devil also plays the game of going, okay, fine. <laughs> I can either control you by keeping you stuck in despair. Or if you try to move out of that, I'm just going to make you destructive. We're so scared of being in despair that we lash out and, and become a destructive weapon. Lastly, I believe, and I have seen the devil in my own life, use my wounds and pain to manipulate the way I see others. Okay, in this one, I, look at the world. Anger is a righteous emotion from God. I'm tired of a scene that anger should be suppressed or, or if you're angry, then you're sinning. God made anger to move us. But yet the devil has manipulated it. 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, No wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. If you think that the church and faith is like a little line that the devil can't cross, then you're going to be really surprised that every time you fall down, he reaches in and goes, oh, okay, yeah, 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 cool, you're saved. Woo. In my life, that's when I've been the most vulnerable. Arrogance and pride. Look at what's going on in our world. I'm staying on this topic because it's huge, and I want to make sure it's the point. Because you know what? If I expose the devil and his mass influence in this world, this is where I want it to be, and his manipulation of how we view others. How do you make one kid fight another? You leverage them in their insecurities in an isolated way. You go to Bill. You know Bill. They lost his mom. And you say, hey, Bill. Joe was talking smack about your mom. He said that your mom didn't love you enough to stick around. And he goes over to Bill. He knows that Bill struggles because his family doesn't know how to put food on the table. And so he's hungry at school. So this little punk decides to leverage that insecurity and says, hey, Joe, he says, he says, your family's trash. That's why you can't afford food. You don't think this happens? It does. And all of a sudden, before we know it, Bill and Joe are fighting. They don't even know why. Let me expose the devil. The devil's a little punk. He's doing it every day to the world. Why do you think our politics are broken? Why do you think we're so divided in parties? Why do you think race has become the focus of anger and hate to people. It's because we forgot that when we look at someone, we shouldn't hate them. We should hate how the devil is using them. The devil is our reserve of hate. 
God never gave us hate towards each other. He designed our anger to hate the devil, the enemy, the person that has hijacked our broken world and told us that we always are going to be enemies. We got to wake up our passion. And sometimes everyone thinks, well, you know, if, if you're passionate about it, if you're angry about it, then you need to do something to change it. Sometimes I feel like the devil's in that too. Because then he goes right after, well, you know, you've got a family to take care of. You can't go and fly all over the world and go after the big things. Because he knows that if we simply recognize that if we call him out, maybe the world would be a little different. Let me ask something. When we go and we say we're spreading the gospel, we call it the good news. The good news. That's great. We need to spread the gospel. God has saved us, and he has taught us how we need to live. But one of the things that we've maybe forgotten is that in the message of spreading the good news, we can't give it out of context. We can't say to someone who is not saved, you need to live this way. This is the way that God has offered. It's so much better without the context of pointing out what we're saving them from. We have a world that doesn't necessarily feel like they need to be saved because maybe we as a body of Christ have forgotten the fact that we have to point out the danger of the devil. Because it doesn't, it's, it's, it's not fun to talk about. It scares people away. You know, you kind of have this mind thought of someone, the crazy person downtown saying, Be afraid! We're all going to hell! It scares me, and I believe. But uh, oftentimes, I feel like we forget, what is the Word of God? The Word of God, yes, is a, is a, is a guide in how we should live. But over and over and over again, it's like a father telling us what to look out for. The devil is here. The devil is there. Truth. So let's flip, flip the switch on this fun masquerade of the devil. So I pointed out how I've seen the Satan work against my wounds. So let's parallel those with the five things that I believe that God views wounds and pains with and desires to use them. So the first one, we said the devil uses them as anchor points. Firmly believe God, he views them and desires to use them as growing points. The devil wants to anchor to hold you back. God wants to free you to grow. Again, we all like to to be angry. I get angry when life doesn't happen the way I had planned. I've got things that I will never get the answer for. And I have to be okay to sit in that and say that shouldn't drive me away from hope. If we allow God to use it as growing points, it breaks the chains of the anchor spots of hope inserted with trust, breaks chains. Let's talk about healing for a minute. Because growing points doesn't mean you, you move on thinking you haven't been wounded. That's another lie of the devil. 
Oh, God, uh, the devil wants you to sit put, so now I'm going to move forward and ignore. Oh, goodness gracious, you just gave him the ace card in your life. Don't ignore. Healing a wound, again, I, I wanted to tear down the physical analogy of a wound in the context of our body because it's so much bigger than that. Healing of a wound in a spiritual change and impact in our life, a shaping as we sang of the fire, the refining fire of God, is that we see and are, are, are gifted by God to see the purpose of how God uses the wound. That's the gift of healing. It's not instant. So we have to first choose to grow. And then the healing of purpose being unveiled is there. And I can only say it because I'm standing here. I shouldn't be standing here in the context of worldly views. I shouldn't. Point two where we said that the devil uses them, our wounds, to keep us idle. God views our wounds as we are stronger because of them. As I said, if we view that Satan only, he, he obeys this little line that says, oh, they're saved now, I can't touch them, then we're gravely mistaken. He does. So our wounds, frankly, prepare us for the fact that devil can't shake us. I am the worst at this. I get shaken all the time. My faith is strong when it's easy. The moment one of my insecurities gets tugged at, I shut down. Got to remember they make you stronger. Again, the devil does not want you to know that you are a weapon of destruction of lies. God equipped us to be the nuke bomb of exposure. Third point in where we said that the devil uses our wounds to isolate us and make us feel alone, the room of mirrors, is that God connects us in community. If we have relationships that aren't based off of our wounds and pain, they're not relationships that last with us. And I know. You know why? I've lost a lot of relationships because I went through periods in my life where I just wanted the shallow worldly. Oh, you guys like outdoors? Woo, I like outdoors too. This makes me feel good and I can ignore everything. Yeah. Huh. I had lots of those. And then when life happened, scatter. Still alone. Community without wounds and pain is again playing into the devil's hand. Our connection of our wounds doesn't mean that you give up your unique pain. It's that you are willing to be vulnerable to strengthen a relationship. In marriage, in church, community, in being a parent, we shouldn't be hiding our wounds. We're not real. God doesn't want us fake. He designed us. And he also doesn't want us to be alone. Fourth point, where the devil views our wounds as entry points for despair. God views them as exit points for his glory and beauty. You don't have to try to 
close your wounds. Heat doesn't get into a room if you're blowing it out with cold air. It's a matter that God says, listen, just let me display your beauty and the devil will not be able to penetrate with despair. If you carry wounds and you've gone through hard life things, that's beautiful. And I'm sorry if, if, if that takes you by surprise. Because the reality is, is that, yes, there are some that, that are blessed with a life that doesn't have as much pain and wounds. But look in the Bible. God didn't use people with big, to do big things that were, were having an easy life. My God, our God is a God of, of resurrection, of restoration. And I can only say that because I hope it's true because I am a mess. Only his glory and beauty can do anything. And then lastly, where we said the devil uses our pains and wounds to manipulate the way we see others, God wants to use them as a way for others to see us. You know that movie Avatar? That little thing that they would always tell each other? I see you. We can do that as Christians. I see you. It's an opportunity to show God's love. As David said, I trust in your unfailing love by allowing ourselves to be seen. We can experience that even amongst each other. We also have to be willing to know that it can be trampled on. Love each other enough to know that, listen, you may hurt me, but I choose to remain open to love because I trust, because my hope has trust. Don't isolate. Don't buy the lie that God can't use you. Don't buy the lie that you are useless, that you aren't worthy. Devil's lie. The devil ultimately wants to drive us to fear. And he uses our wounds to do it, to chain us. God ultimately wants to lead us to faith and hope. Faith and hope has to have trust. And I learned that the hard way. You see, trust is that little thing that every day you have to choose. Every day, I have to wake up and trust. Every day, I have to believe that God is our God of, percep- or, uh, 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 of uh, perspective of outcome. He knows. He knows not only what his desire and purpose is for me, but he knows what the desire and purpose is for this world. The world is not lost to the devil. I, I don't know, you know, you watch a movie and the spoiler alert, you, know, you always have that person that just spoils the whole movie. I'll do it. God won. The devil is lost. Really, you have to believe that, listen, if we're looking at it, why would we despair when the battle is won? That's, that's, the, that's why the devil is parading around trying to convince us that he hasn't lost. He's on the offensive because he has no defense. 
Listen, fear, fear without truth, and the world is full of it. Evil reigns when good men fail to stand. And not stand to fight, stand to simply expose the truth. But yet, if there's fear allowed to be present without truth, it's almost like that dog, that uh, German shepherd dog with that snarl. <laughs> Holy crap. If I, if I run into one of those dogs, like, I'm, I'm done. I have been conquered. Don't, don't bite me. And then it's so funny, we're surprised when in the spiritual warfare we, we get conquered because we, we, we don't recognize that our hope without trust is like that little chihuahua dog, you know, a little bow on it. It's so cute. We love taking it down and petting it. Oh, it makes me feel good. That's, you know, is that your hope? What lies, what fear define your hope? Because here's the truth. Hope, empowered by trust, completely blows fear out of the water. Because when fear is exposed with truth, it turns from that nasty dog that could literally tear us apart to a little kitten trying to stand up really big. It's like, you're a joke. You're, you're a little kitten. What are you doing? And then you turn around and your hope that's empowered by truth is an SS destroyer. It's not even in the same category. But the only play the devil had is to blind us from that. Because if we had that truth, then we wouldn't even play the game. You know, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith and hope is not easy. Choosing faith and hope is not easy. But when you put it in the context of what the power has in it, then it becomes worth it. Then it becomes worth the risk. You know, and as the worship team comes up, one of the things that I, I want to lay out is that, again, like I said, guilt's lie. Guilt, guilt is, the, is an anchor of fear. And it says, again, that God cannot use you because you're unworthy, because you're unperfect. What a lie. God's truth is that the Satan may not be afraid of you, but he is scared to death of what God can do through you. He is scared to death of you realizing that you didn't go through pain and crap in worldly perspective for nothing. You didn't walk through and, 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 and acquire this pain through your own choices from other people for then God to say, well, pff, that wasn't part of my plan, so... You know what? Yes, we make our own choices and God respects that. But man, we serve a God that can take anything and use it for his good. Do we trust him? Do we trust him? You know, a lot of times uh, in church, we're really good at talking about the Bible verse where Jesus tells the disciples, it, and it's in Matthews 38, uh, 3, Matthews 38, 3. It says, assuredly, I say to you, unless you change and become as, as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And again, exposing the devil. The devil even speaks in Bible verses to manipulate. How often, how many of you have sat in church and heard that, heard that verse and the context of the message was that you needed to be perfect, that you needed to be blameless, that you needed to be pure. I want to flip it on its head. And I want to say, you know what? Maybe the perspective of what does a little child represent needs to be brought to light. My son, uh, Jaden, is 18 months old. And uh, on Friday, he figured out how to swim with his little floaties. And he thought he was hot stuff. I mean, he went from not wanting to be in the water to being mad if mommy or I would touch him. No, no, I want to do it myself. And he just swam around for hours on Friday. Well, next day, Saturday, my wife is, is in the pool area with the kids, and she's prepping it. And I'm going to give her anxiety just talking about it. But she's, she's getting bugs out of the pool. Jaden's standing by the edge. And again, before, he never, he didn't even want to go in the water. She's like, don't, don't jump in the water. Well, lo and behold, what did he do? Whoop! Splash! Mama bear came out. She jumped in fully clothed, got him out real quick. But here's the thing. You'd think, okay, he's sitting underwater, even though it was probably a millisecond, because, okay, if dad was there, it'd probably been like, you know, more like a second, because we just don't move as fast. Um, we can't compete with that protection. Um, but when he came out of the water, the surprising thing is he didn't, he didn't go, you know, and all of a sudden, get me out of the water. No, no, no. He literally started pushing on her, saying, no, pull, pull. He didn't want her to hold him. He wanted to go. It was kind of like, what are you doing, Mom? You're messing with my groove. I had this water dominated. He's not afraid. He had no fear. He wasn't bound by it. So maybe when God says we have to be like little children, he's not talking about being pure. He's talking about not being controlled by fear. Maybe he's talking about the fact that we need to go back to when we were children when it wasn't complicated in our perspective, we become jaded and complicate things. As a child growing up, for whatever reason, God, God revealed a lot of things about spiritual war. And as even as a seven-year-old, I would constantly run up to my mom and, and tell her with tears in my eyes, Satan is attacking me. And, and, and as I prepared this message, I, my mom, and she's probably listening on live stream up in Washington. She didn't, she didn't know what I was speaking on. So I just texted her. I said, hey, what was that thing I said when I felt like the devil was attacking me? And she sent back saying that I, that I, would, I would pray. I would say, Satan, leave me alone. I'm a child of God. You, don't, you can't touch me. It's a child. complicated salvation, the freedom of salvation to be so complicated sometimes that people don't know if they can obtain it. We've made hope something the devil can play with because he attaches answers to hope. He attaches expectations to hope. Man, he's conniving. He can say, okay, I'll let you have hope. Freedom. Hey, but I'm going to insert a little bit of manipulation to say that you should only accept the hope when it gives you the full answer. So thereby, he binds our trust. 
and he takes away the power of hope because he knows we are afraid to give up control. You know, the Bible wasn't just about describing how we should live. Again, it was, it was calling out and exposing the devil. We need to attach that and apply that in, in our lives. I need to. As parents, we don't allow our children to go play without teaching them the difference between a gardener snake and a rattler snake, right? Hey, heads up, you hear this little rattle. There's a rattler snake. Don't you think our Father in heaven, in his word, gave us the same kind of tools? Hey, heads up, the devil's at work. But yet we live in a world that doesn't acknowledge that. We ourselves as Christians forget it. So today in closing, I, I want to take a moment to allow us to have space to be okay with facing our wounds, facing our pain. Be okay with understanding that maybe some of those wounds and pains that we've been blaming others for, that the devil is at work and we need to expose that God has exposed him. We can't hate people. Hating people is a choosing, actively choosing to ignore that Satan is at work. If you have hate in your heart for a person, then the devil is ruling your wound. We're going to sing a song, and it's simple. In the, in the course, it just says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You know, maybe in the moments where we feel that Satan is attacking us, I should go back to what I said as a child because there's power in it. Not complicated. Not allow myself to be drugged down the manipulation of the devil to say, well, I've got to do this. I've got to do so many Hail Marys, and then I need to find holy water. Declare that you are a child of God. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that in Psalms and, and King David, you, you gave us so many blessings. One, that, we're, that, that we don't have to be perfect, Lord, that we can have emotions, that you are a big enough God to handle our frustration, handle our wounds and pain, to be a chest to beat on, and you won't go away that you don't want us to be fake, Lord, that you want us as we are, that you, your heart breaks for the wounds that we've had to endure, that, but you, you won't let them go in vain. We choose to trust that. Lord, Lord, we accept the fact that maybe we won't get answers until we get to heaven with you. hurts not to have answers, Lord. It does. But we know your hope is so much more powerful that we don't have to sit there. Now, if you're sitting here today, and maybe you haven't accepted the life, the salvation, the freedom that God gives. We've talked a lot about going on this journey of trusting God. But you know what? It's got to start. you got to choose 
if your heart moved when I started to talk about the devil and your light bulb went off and you started to see how he's been playing games with your life and you want freedom from that, here it is. And it's not complicated. And you don't have to know how the journey looks day one. You just got to know that you accept that you're a child of God, that Jesus came down on the cross and died for your sins. He gave you freedom from guilt, freedom from fear. Now, with everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you'd like to today decide to give your life to Christ, to give your life to God, the God of redemption, that you believe that he can take your pain and then bring beauty from the ashes, will you raise your hand? see that. At Vantage Point Church, we don't pray alone in this decision. So I want to take a moment as in a congregation, I want to pray this prayer. And if you raise your hand, this is, this is a prayer of a start point, not the ultimate draw in the line in the sand that says, okay, now I can't be touched by the devil. No, no, no. It's a start point of where God can continually reveal and expose the devil and give you life of purpose, passion, and redeemed beauty. So will you repeat after me? Dear God, I receive the salvation you offer. I accept that I by myself cannot obtain that salvation. Lord, that it is a gift I cannot pay for. Lord, I want you in my heart. I want you to rule my wounds. I kick out the devil. He no longer drives me. Lord, not in my power, but in yours through the gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we're going to stay in this moment because even as Christian followers, we may have started 10 years ago, 20 years ago, a lifetime ago. But we need to have moments in where we remember where our wounds should be brought. So we're going to sing this song together. We're going to have prayer partners here at the front. If you need prayer, please come forward. Even if you just need to sit in the presence of God and allow him to wash over you and remind you of the purpose of your wounds, to remind you of truth, to combat the lies, I would encourage you to do so.